Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me! And, of course, <laughs> we're so excited because Thomas P. Dorian Yay. is back. Yay, thank you. Yeah, you, you, we missed you last oh, time, man, but everyone needs to know that he was at, like, the National Cheese Institute. <laughs> Tom, he loves his cheese. and Guille, he, Guille. Yeah, Well, he got a, uh, he got his, he's, it was majoring. Uh, in charcuterie, so yes. he's now a charcuterie major. Oh, you should see it! And his final exam was like at the Super Bowl. Are we allowed to say Super Bowl? S O U P E R. No, Super Bowl. Uh, he had a, like a really nice cheese spread, and he passed. So congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Thank you. He is he's all set now with his charcuterie degree. Yeah. Fun fun fact. Got the hat. Got the coat. It's awesome. Fun fact: His love of cheese began with Swiss cheese. I asked him why, and he said it's because it's holy. Yes, and you know. <laughs> And that's that's why he's sitting here, but uh, but speaking of holy, speaking Sam of holy, himself up. Yeah, he does. I kill me. Yes. Oh, you're killing me. Uh, so here we uh, we we have a great show today. So we we just yeah. finished up our series on uh, the uh, luminous mysteries, and the final episode or the the fifth luminous mystery being the institution of the Eucharist. Um, we talked a lot about Eucharist, and we talked about John chapter 6 a lot, and some really good stuff in there. And so we thought, kind of as a follow-up, it's not part of the, the Rosary um, series per se, but it is, uh, it, it's a nice follow-up to the, um, uh, the institution of the Eucharist, because we're going to talk about where that Eucharist is consecrated. Mm. So we're going to talk about Mass. And... Um, what we're going to talk about today, what's, uh, th- there's a document that really profoundly affected me that I found a long time ago on my sort of reversion, my journey back to the Catholic Church after it kind of walked away. Not kind of, I did. Um, and this uh, document is one that I found that was re- re- referenced many times um, because there's, there's always a question about like, where is like true worship found? Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. This show is not going to be about uh, traditional Latin Mass versus the Novus Ordo Mass and things like that. But what's really neat to see about when you start to read about this document, you're going to start to see how, whether you have a preference, because we're not going to talk about that so much as we're going to talk about, like, both of those forms of forms of liturgy, their roots are in the same place, mm-hmm. in, 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 in a way. And the document I'm talking about is um, a document from um, a bishop uh, f- from way back, uh, and and that's a Saint Justin Martyr, and he uh, one of his writings is a, uh, a fairly extant, like full, a big chunk of book uh, writings that we have from him, and uh, he wrote uh, a document called the First Apology. Right, and uh, and that wasn't like in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) The first apology, the the Greek word that apology comes from is apologia, and 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 essentially it means it doesn't mean to be sorry for. So like apologetics is not like Catholic apology is not Catholics being sorry. Uh, Apologia is essentially to make a defense. You know, I think if the Garden of Eden was the first apology, then the first apology is the man blaming his wife for his own sins. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's called the double denial. Yeah, 
<laughs> it was the woman that you gave me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Adam said. But uh, but all that aside, um, he wrote a document. Uh, this is part of that document, and it's in 150 A.D. It's around 150 yeah, thanks A.D. For, thanks for mentioning that. Well, I, I was, ev- was going to get there huge. eventually. That's huge. Because if you stop and think about it. Ancient that's, Rome. That's right. Well, that's. It wasn't like 1950. And, no. and, and by the way, being born in ancient Rome with the last name Martyr, it's, it's, you yeah. know it's not going to end well for you. <laughs> I'd rather be Baker. You know? uh, make some nice croissant, you know. And uh, Anyway, so uh, the thing here is, though, this document, uh, his first apology, and it's uh, number 61 through 67. We're going to read some of this uh, today. Uh, and it, again, 150 A.D. is just about 120 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. That's amazing. Right? right? So if you stop and think about it, and I, want, I like to put this kind of thing in perspective, we know pretty much everything there is to know about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And people don't doubt it. And people don't go like, uh, that's just myth. He right. Didn't exist. Right? He didn't exist. It, it, it was all made up. Mm-hmm. But we're more than 120 years from Lincoln's time. Right. We're 160, 170 years from Lincoln's time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no. No, we are. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting old. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, in that same time frame, we're talking about the Mass here. Yeah. Right? St. Justin Martyr is talking about Holy Mass. He has, there's two sections that in we're going to look at. In defense. And he's defending the Mass. He's, he's saying, like, this, this is why we do what we do. And when he talks about it, when, when you hear these words, he doesn't say it as if, like, hey, we just invented this thing last week. Yeah. It's really cool. Y'all ought to come right. and do this. It's not It's not new. It's, yeah. He speaks of it as if it's uh, ever ancient. He speaks of it as, like, this is established. This is what we do. This is how we do it. So it's, this first section is called Holy Mass After Baptism. And really, what, what I want you to listen for is if you've ever doubted that you're going to the right place, worship service yeah right so you've got you might have you might be protestant listening to this right you might be a non-denominational christian listening to this you might have protestant or non-denominational christian family or friends who know you're catholic and not really sure what's going on you don't know how to describe things if you're trying if you want to feel a little better about where you are yeah you you need to look at a document like this so again it's uh saint justin martyr the first apology uh, around 150 A.D., and if you Google that, it, this document will come up in a bunch of places. Well, and, and also, just in terms of how close uh, the uh, Justin Martyr was to the very earliest days of the church, think yes. about it this way. So if we know somebody who is 80 years old, you know, obviously that was less common back then, but chances are St. Justin Martyr knew someone, at least one person who was probably 80 years old. That person was still alive... When the temple was destroyed, yeah, which is literally referenced, you know, in the in the book of Revelation. Right. So, so, so that's <laughs> that that is is uh, pretty close, pretty pretty close. Yeah, Tom, exactly. What was it like, you know, when they, y'all got your first telephone? Like when remember when Bell? Oh, yeah, you went, I remember you it was went there. Al, yeah, right. That was probably an amazing thing. It was amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. But anyway, going way back, I just want to start reading this, and yes. we're gonna. I want you to listen listen here to the things that we say and we're going to stop a bunch but listen here about about and 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 hear the mass that you're going to mm-hmm. you you hear yes. everything is represented here so it says this so this first part holy mass after baptism is really talking about let's say after the easter vigil 
There's people. They're converts. There were lots of converts back then. Oh because yeah, you look, wore you wore your white robe after baptism for a while, didn't you? Like that was like a look, thing. I, yeah. I, well, it, it, the thing is, though, the most well, I'm trying. The point I'm trying to make is yeah, that yeah. like there were a lot of non Christians. Oh yeah. There were a lot of pre Christians. There were a lot of people getting ready to be Christian. So yeah, yeah. The idea of how to uh, assist in this process liturgically is important. Oh, big time. Right. So that's why we're, we're reading this first part called Holy Mass after baptism. It says, but we. After we have thus washed him who has been convinced and has assented to our teaching. So I'm going to stop there. Like right after, First of all, um, washed him. That's baptism. Yeah. Right? So the newly baptized. After they've been convinced. Right? So after they've been taught. Yes. And has assented to our teaching. So this is essentially RCIA. Or RCIA. This is also 150 AD. So this is... 150 plus years before the Council of Carthage, when the the uh, the Bible was canonized yes. officially, but they're teaching doctrine. But they're teaching doctrine. So this is yeah. what has been handed over by the right. apostles. You know, I don't know when when Poly, Saint Polycarp died, but he was like the immediate successor to Saint John. Uh, right, and Saint John died when he was like 90 years old or something like that. So I mean, this was probably at the time or similar around the time of Saint Polycarp, and these are being handed down. <laughs> that close. That's exactly right. So, so um, Justin Martyr goes on and says that they bring him, that the newly baptized, to the place where those who are called brethren are assembled. Okay, also known as church. Yes. Okay. Uh, in order that we may offer hearty prayers in common for ourselves and for the baptized illuminated person. So, think about if you've ever been to an Easter vigil, they will have the universal prayer, the prayers of the faithful. Right. Where offered up are all the prayers for us, for the world, for the Pope, for all these things, and, and they'll also include those who are who are being baptized at that particular um, uh, liturgy, um, and uh, and for all others in every place that we may be counted worthy. Now that we have learned the truth, by our works also to be found good citizens and keepers of the commandments. Okay, so. We have found truth. First of all, yes. right, truth. You hear this, it's divine revelation. Yes. We're talking about divine revelation, right? And then right after that it says, by, by our works. By our works. Faith also, and works. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like good works are necessary. He, he didn't just pick one. Right. So if, if, if you don't learn the truth, right, right. If, you don't, if you don't learn right. and assent to the, docu- the, the, the doctrine, or you don't have good works. Right. Like as a member of the community, then you're not coming to the church, right? Right. right? So this is uh, this is important to to learn. So so that we may be saved. Notice it says that we may be saved mm-hmm. with an everlasting salvation. So we are in the process of salvation. So back then, apparently in 150 AD, they didn't really believe in the once saved, always saved. Yeah, and if you look in the Didache, same language is used there as That's well. Right. In 90 AD. So let's get further on in Holy Mass after baptism. He says, having ended the prayers, we salute one another with a kiss. Just one little simple line. That's the sign of peace. Yeah. We do a sign of peace. And they had the kiss of peace. Used to be called that for years. We stopped kissing in America. (laughs) You go to Europe, you might get a big smooch from some old man or some grandma next to you. So be careful who you stand next to or sit next to. I still kiss people in Yes, I'm sure you do. (laughs) And that's why you've been bouncing around parishes. So so then right after that we say there is then brought to the president our president so you see the word president and think presider yeah think priest mm-hmm. okay yeah. so then is brought to the priest of the brethren bread and a cup of wine mixed with water 
If you guys watch closely, you watch the deacon at Mass, he's putting a little drop of water in with the wine that is to be consecrated. We still do that. Mm-hmm. 1850 years later, we're still doing that, right? So they were doing it back then. And it says, and he taking them gives praise and glory to the Father of the universe through the name of the Son and the Holy Ghost and offers thanks at considerable length for our being counted worthy to receive these things at his hands. That's the Eucharistic prayer. I remember as a kid going like, Oh, not this long prayer. Or, oh, he's doing the canon. He's doing prayer one. Oh, I'll never live through this. I remember as a little kid thinking these terribly evil thoughts. Right. You know, I wanted to get to breakfast. Or but whatever. you never said anything like, boo! No, no. <laughs> never did that. Good, never good. Did. I'm glad. I, you I might not have made it to Deacon. I would have said, I, no, I would say I would have only done that once. You know, oh, my yeah. parents would have made sure I didn't do that again. Right. Um, and so, And then it says, And when he has concluded the prayers and thanksgivings, all the people present express their assent by saying, Amen. This is the great Amen. See, we're talking yes. about things that yeah. happen at, like right at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, we all say, Amen. Right? In various yeah. ways, sometimes beautiful polyphony, uh, choirs, and it's called the great Amen. Right? And, and, and so, uh, they still, we still do that, obviously. And then it talks a little bit about the word amen in the Hebrew language means so be it. It is as you say it is. It's like it's the great amen. Uh, And when the president has given thanks and all the people have expressed their assent, those who are called among us deacons. Okay, let's just pause for a second. A little dramatic pause. Okay. Give to each of those present to partake of the bread and wine mixed with water over which the Thanksgiving Mass was pronounced. And to those who are absent, they carry away a portion. We still take communion to the sick. Yeah. Right? And the deacons are very active in that function. Deacons are part of distributing Holy Communion. A lot of things have changed and the priest does it. Uh, Back then, apparently, really the deacons, it was their responsibility because the, the deacons essentially theological are the bridge between the priest and the people, right? So there's a connection, like the the priest will, you know, he confects the Eucharist and says, all right, you know these people, these are your your brothers and sisters that I've just prayed for, and I've just confected this Eucharist, and Christ is present for them, you take that to them, right? Right. And and a lot of people in our audience might not know that, you know, they're so used to seeing lay people as as Eucharistic ministers, but extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. That was, that's an exception that was created within the canon law. That was not the rule for a long time. Which has become somewhat of a, you know, an expected thing now, which is, I'm not thrilled about that, but at the same time, it's where we are. Right. But still, the deacon had a role uh, uh, back then. Um, and so then it goes on. Now, you might stop there and go like, oh, look, it says, uh, those who are called, give each of those, a pre- uh, to those present to partake of the bread and wine mixed with water. In other words, someone might look at this and go like, see, they didn't really believe that. It was really Jesus. Yeah. That was just bread and water. You know, you made little, like, they're having a snack. They'd say, gotcha. Right. However, <laughs> the next paragraph... The, the the next paragraph explains everything right. in greater de- right. detail. It opens up with it. And this food is called among us Eucharist. Now, that Eucharist stain, which, which literally means Thanksgiving. Yeah. Of which, now get this, you, you know, we're an exclusive little club that we belong to in the Catholics. We get accused of that all the time. It says, no one is allowed to partake but the man who believes that the things we teach are true and who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins and unto regeneration and who is so living as Christ has enjoined. So right there you see this, what we get accused of being exclusionary, but the reality is what we believe about the Eucharist being the body and blood of Jesus 
it's blasphemous to receive and not believe, mm-hmm. right? But it goes in such detail here about the three things that have to happen before you receive Eucharist. You have to believe, right? Number one. Number two, you have to be baptized, right? A member of the church. And then number three, you have to live accordingly. You have to live as a Christian. Means you have to be in good standing. So people not in a state of grace, even Catholics not in a state of grace. If you don't do all three of those things, right. you shouldn't be receiving. And they were doing this back in 150 A.D. Right. right? This is not some the new thing. Was like those Catholics in their little club that they built sometime in the 1950s or 60s. Those guys are they're right. mean. They won't let me receive at my you know, friend's funeral or whatever because I'm not Catholic. That's not what's going on here, right? But so we essentially only baptize Catholics that are in a state of grace or receiving Holy Communion. And then he goes on in greater detail, and this is really powerful. He says, For not as common bread and common drink do we receive these, but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having been made flesh by the word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation, so likewise have we been taught that the food which is blessed by the prayer of his word and from which our blood and flesh by transmutation are nourished is the flesh and blood of that Jesus who was made flesh. The, the key word here is is. Yes. This is my body. This is my blood. This is Jesus. They believe that in 150 AD. This is not something that that is a modern understanding. It's not even Middle Ages understanding. This is 150 A.D. Well, and it's not just a statement of belief. It's actually a theological argument that he's making. So if you read that statement, he's saying just as God took on flesh, just as the word was made flesh, right, this bread becomes Jesus, right? So he's giving an example of if you believe that he who is co-eternal with the Father from, you know... can take on flesh and step into our world and it's in that same incarnation that uh the 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 bread and you uh, and the wine are confected to be his body and blood so literally he's actually he's he's making not just saying hey this is something you have to believe he's telling you why yeah amen he and he goes into that this is the largest part of the document and, and it goes a little further i'm gonna skip a little bit of it but it's talking about you know, for the apostles and there were memoirs composed by them, which are called gospels, have thus delivered us into what? And it talks a little bit more about, you know, and also St. Paul, um, you know, and, and, and remembering like this, do ye in remembrance of me, this is my body, this is my blood, etc. And it goes on a little further and says, and the wealthy among us help the needy. And we start realizing, you know, Catholic social teachings at play here, but also we take up a collection mm-hmm. at Mass. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not like again the Catholics are just trying to keep the lights on in the church. I mean, essentially, part of our mission is to help those in need as a church, right? The widows and the orphans, but also anybody uh, in a struggling situation. And mass is a place where a sacrifice takes place, and our own sacrifice of offering something, yeah. right, uh, for those those in need. So this is not again something new. Um, then the second part of this document is called Sunday Worship in Rome. It's a, a different part in this document of his longer document, but it really is talking about like a regular day at Mass, right? And it says, and on the day called Sunday, right, and are all who live in cities or in the country gather together into one place, right? And then it, and it says this, and the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. This is unique in that we still do this. And still people complain about the long form of the gospel or the long form of the readings, right? Uh, they're reading from Genesis. It's going to take forever, you know? But back then, 
They loved reading from the memoirs of the apostles. They loved reading the gospels. They loved reading the, the, the prophets, the Old Testament. So we had Old and New Testament readings. And back then, the letters from those apostles, that's all New Testament stuff. And this is still 150 AD. And uh, we didn't have a Bible yet. Right? There was not a Bible, but there were readings, there were writings being passed around and used. Some might have been wrong, right? And eventually those were all kind of weeded out. But honestly, you know, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're reading these. St. Paul's letters to the Ephesians, to the Corinthians, to the yeah. Galatians, they're reading these as long as time permits, right? Hey, it's getting dark. Let's get to that Eucharist part, you know? <laughs> Um, and then, then it says, and uh, when the reader has ceased, the, the president, presiding, verbally instructs and exhorts to the imitation of these good things. He gives a homily. And we still give homilies. Yeah. Right? And so you start to think like, man, you're, uh, hopefully you're recognizing your local mass, wherever you go to mass, you're recognizing these things. And then it says there is a distribution to each, right? So this is Holy Communion. And a participation that uh, over which thanks have been given uh, and those who are uh, absent, a portion is sent by the deacons. Uh, and they who are well-to-do and willing give what each thinks fit. Again, there's a collection taken. And what is collected is deposited with the presiding to comfort the orphans and widows and those who, through sickness and any other cause, are in want. And those who are in bonds and the strangers sojourning among us and, uh, and in a word, takes care of all who are in need. And then it goes on. This is kind of powerful, too. But Sunday is the day on which we hold our common assembly, because it is the first day on which God, having wrought a chance, a change in the darkness and matter, made the world. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the same day rose from the dead. He, for he was crucified on the day. So it's tying it to the sacrifice of the Mass and the new Sabbath, mm-hmm. the Sunday Sabbath, that was a change because the Jews, all of them, so many were formerly Jewish, and the Sabbath was the Saturday, right? Right. Now it's been moved to Saturday, the day of new creation, right? And it and even specifically talks about he was crucified on the day before that of Saturn, Saturday, right? He was, right. Um, and um, on the day after that of Saturn, which is the day of the sun, having appeared to his apostles and disciples, he taught them these things, which we have submitted to you also for your consideration. So it's like, when you read this document, I hope you start going like, wow, I am worshiping in the correct place. Well, and, and also, I think there's a, there are some certain some of our separated brothers and sisters have issues with gathering on Sunday because they say, "Well, wait a second, it says Saturday is the Lord's Day." You yeah. know, but we see it's ancient to the church that we're we're commemorating each Sunday is a celebration of Easter, a little a mini Easter, basically. That's right, and 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 again, um, this is this has always been so. This is this is Christianity because. Um, you know, I, I like to remind people that the Jews are always the uh, the chosen people of God. God never breaks a covenant, and he loves the Jewish people. And from out of the Jewish people and the Jewish tradition and the Jewish heritage and the love of God for the Jews yeah. springs Christianity. And essentially it's like, uh, I don't want to say it. Evolutionary may be the wrong word, but like the natural one, progression. One's the root, the other's the fruit. How about there that? There you go, root and fruit. Yeah, I'm, we're rooting for fruit. <laughs> Tutti fruity. Yeah, oh, let's not go there. So, so we're not going to go there. But the but the point is, when I first read this, it it just it's a, suddenly this this wave of um, I don't know um, comfort f- just poured over me because I still when I when I reverted 
when I left the Catholic Church, it's because I didn't really know what to worship, where to worship, how to worship, but yeah. I knew I needed to worship. So this kind of told you you were in the right place. Yes. It was affirmation. It was jolt. Big time. Jolt. And I, so I still use this. When I teach OCIA classes, when I teach people who are converting to the Catholic faith, we spend a lot of time on this document. And I say, look, you have to understand, this is 150 A.D. Yeah. And nowhere in this document says, we now do this. We, we, we changed here. It's all as if, like, this is what we've always been doing. Right. Now, there is development of the liturgy. There's development of things, uh, you know, in how we worship and, and, and choices we make, etc. But the reality is at the very core of this, all of these things that we listed, we still do that. And I checked, by the way, Polycarp died in 155. So he literally, Poly, St. Polycarp, St. John, the Blessed Disciples, uh, own disciple was still alive when this was written. Yeah, so you, <laughs> yes, you you look at that and you go like, so you talking about continuity? Yeah. <laughs> so so I just I, I can't look at this and go like, yeah, this whole mass thing is it's a man-made tradition. Right. It's all made up. And that's that's something that and honestly, I'm telling you all this, we we're, we're telling you this so that you can go Google St. Justin Martyr First Apology 150 AD and you will be able to read this. You need to read this, study it, read over it because you need to know how to answer someone who says, why do you worship like that? Yeah. Where did that come from? Well, I'll tell you where it came from. Way beyond before anything that anybody else is doing right now. Right? If you're a Christian, this is how Christians worshipped mm-hmm. in the first and second century. Mm-hmm. Right? Th- th- this is not some made-up thing. And they believed what we believe right now. And they believed that Jesus Christ was truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. That he was confect, he was made present this way. Mm-hmm. And, and they took it seriously. Mm-hmm. And the people that were there were there, as long as time permits. They were serious about it. They, you know, in, uh, we had a show uh, with, a, with an African priest, and he talked about in Africa, people would sometimes walk four or five hours or more to get to a mass. And if you preached for like less than two hours, they were mad at you. I walked all this way for a ten minute homily. Are you kidding me? In African, I can't. I can't speak. Well, no, they would have, but they were fervent about it. And and we need to revisit our own ferventness. I don't know what that word would be. Fervor. Fervor. We need. We need to be. We need to be fervent about our faith. Realize what we have. What a gift. And it's a. It's an old gift. Gift. It's two thousand years old. Yeah. It's Amen. an ancient gift that we need to recognize and stop fighting over and realize what a tremendous gift that Christ is present to us in this holy mass. And let's also ask the, the Blessed Mother, His Mother, to also intercede on our behalf. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.